Theophany, Three Kings Day, Little Christmas. Welcome to the Dunker Punks Podcast Epiphany episode. I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. Don't wanna be violent, don't wanna have a vendetta, don't wanna be vengeful, no. I don't wanna be a soldier, don't wanna be militaristic, don't wanna help that cycle, I just wanna be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving, organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, beautiful, I want to be humble, I want to be progressive, I want to be open, I'm inspiration, I want to be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao, I want to be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Valim, or Gandhi. Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just want to be me. I just want to be me. Welcome to the Dunker Punks Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Krause. For a lot of Americans, the Christmas season focuses on December 25th, our celebratory day remembering Jesus' birth. Once we begin the new year, it's back to routine. No more magical wonder. Take down the ornaments and garland. Bundle up, for winter has come. But in the Christian calendar, the weeks after Jesus' birth mark the time of Epiphany. But what does that mean for us? Dana Cassell wanted to offer her thoughts on Epiphany through a sermon that she wrote on this episode. Think about what the time of Epiphany means to you, your community, and our community as you listen. Here's Dana. This is Dana Cassell, and I'm bringing to you in this episode a little bit of a sermonette or a homily, a mini sermon. It's what I do every week, but I've not really preached very much on the Dunker Punks podcast. But this felt like a good season and a good time and a good message. So it's a Dunker 
Punk's sermon. If you follow the seasons of the church year, because what Dunker Punk doesn't, um, you probably know, or maybe you don't, that we're in the season of Epiphany. After Christmas, um, the season of Epiphany is the next church year season. And did you know that Christmas does not end on December 25th? It actually starts the 12 days of Christmas that day. And there are whole 12 days full of Christmas celebrating and worshiping and praising. And then on January 6th, we start the season of Epiphany. So that season lasts for a few weeks. And right now, while I'm recording, we're in the middle of the season of Epiphany. You might know that Epiphany is about revelation. It's about showings. And in the church year, the season of Epiphany is about revelations about Jesus, showing us who Jesus is. So maybe in your congregation, you heard a scripture that seemed kind of out of place this week or last week, or if you're listening in April, <laughs> back in January. Maybe you heard a scripture right after Christmas that was about an adult Jesus. And you're like, hey, weren't we just back in the manger? Didn't Jesus get born? How is this infant doing things like turning water into wine? We missed something there. That's actually intentional because when we meet Jesus at Christmas, he is the incarnation, the son of God. God made manifest in a human body. And so the season of Epiphany right after Christmas is a way for us to think about what does that mean? Who is Jesus? How are we supposed to understand what this incarnate God is? And so in the season of Epiphany, we get stories from scripture that explain to us that help us have aha moments about, oh yeah, that's what that means. That's who Jesus is. So the season of Epiphany starts with the adoration of the Magi. You know them as the wise men. They show up, and that's what we celebrate on January 6th, is that these kings from far, far away, these wise men or astrologers, they travel across the world to worship this tiny baby king because Jesus is not only the king of a tiny little group of people, but Jesus, son of God, is arriving as the king of the entire world. So the wise men show up and say, hey, this kid is not just important for a little piece of the world. This kid is cosmically important, important for the entire earth. So that's what happens the first week. And then there's another week of Epiphany talking about how Jesus turned water into wine. That's Jesus' first miracle before he heals anybody or brings anybody back from the dead or casts out any demons. Jesus shows up at a wedding and his mom says, hey, they ran out of wine. Don't you have some power to do something about that? And Jesus says, no, no, it's not time yet. I'm not ready. But his mom keeps at him and Jesus agrees. And the first miracle he does in his ministry on earth is to turn barrels of water into wine to keep the party going. And when we hear that story, we learn, oh, Right. This is the kind of God who is a God of abundance. This is the kind of God who keeps the party going. That's what this kind of God is. You get it now? It's a season of epiphany, of revelations, of showing us who Jesus is, what kind of God would come to earth in the form of a human baby. Today I'm thinking about another story that we hear during epiphany. It's the story of Jesus' baptism. Do you remember this story? 
Do you remember that Jesus shows up when John the Baptist is out by the River Jordan baptizing lots of people? I, I sometimes forget that about Jesus' baptism. It wasn't like John went and knocked on Jesus' door and said, Hey, I think before you start your ministry, we should go down to the river and baptize you. I think that's going to be an important part. No, John was traveling all over. John was going up and down the Jordan River, and he was telling everybody, Guys, if you want to be a part of this new world that is coming very soon, it is at the doorstep, you have to repent. You have to change your life. And people were saying, well, what does that mean? What am I supposed to do if I'm a tax collector, if I'm a soldier? And John said, you cannot harass anybody. You cannot cheat anybody. And most importantly, if you have two shirts, you got to give one away. And if you have more food than you can eat, you have to share that with your neighbor. A new world is coming and we have got to get ready. We have got to repent and be transformed and forgiven so that when the Messiah comes and John says, by the way, that's not me. Jesus is coming, but I'm not him. When the Messiah arrives, we need to be ready. So these huge crowds flock to John the Baptist all across the River Jordan, and they're not just one kind of people. These huge crowds keep showing up. They're Jewish people. Some of them think, I don't need to get baptized. I'm already religious. I go to church. I go to temple. I keep the law. I don't need anything else. And John says, hey, you did not understand what I said. It's a whole new world. You have got to prepare yourself. So there are Jewish people there, but they were also not Jewish people. There were Gentiles who were also attracted to John's message and they showed up and got baptized in the river. There were soldiers and tax collectors, rich people and poor people, all kinds of people just kept showing up when John was preaching there at the river. All kinds of people heard his message and said, yes, I want to be a part of this new world order. I want to respond to this invitation to show up and repent and live life in a new way. And this is the context This is where we are when Jesus gets baptized. Jesus and John didn't go off into a private part of the river and have, you know, their own little quiet baptism. Jesus, according to the text in Luke chapter 3, sidles up into this line of repentant humans and waits his turn beside skeptics and tax collectors and soldiers and converts and rich people and poor people. Jesus who the last we heard from was a kid, appears here on the scene as an adult man who's traveled from wherever he's been before and quietly takes his place in the middle of the crowd, in the middle of the line. This is super important. Remember, we're in the season of Epiphany. We're learning what it means for God to show up as a human. And here, Jesus joins a crowd already formed, steps into the middle of a movement that John has started, gets in line with all those people. John baptizes Jesus just like he baptizes all those other people. And when he comes up from the waters of baptism, you know what Jesus does? He prays. And while he was praying, Luke says, the heavens opened. I find it really hard to imagine this scene. Jesus, Savior of the world, King of kings, Desire of nation, Key of David, Root of Jesse, Wisdom personified, slips quietly into line, 
a line filled with people waiting to proclaim their intention to change their lives and hearts and live into the coming kingdom promised by God. This kingdom where no one cheats anyone, no one harasses anyone, where anybody who has two coats shares one and anyone who has extra food invites their neighbors over for dinner. Jesus quietly joins the line and waits his turn and gets baptized. And then John goes on and baptizes other people. It's not like things stopped as soon as Jesus hit the water. It's not like there was an instant and all of a sudden the world turned over. Jesus gets baptized and then John goes on to the next person. It's not until after Jesus is baptized and he stops and prays that the heavens open and the Holy Spirit comes down and a voice from heaven says, You are my child, and I love you. What does that mean? What kind of epiphany are we supposed to have about who Jesus is based on this kind of baptism scene? I don't really know, and you probably can't force anyone to have an epiphany against their will. But I suspect that Luke is trying to get us to see That God incarnate, God getting born as a person, God of the universe showing up in human form, the incarnation is not just about having ears and kidneys and hangnails, though the body part is pretty important. I suspect that Luke is trying to guide us all to the epiphany that God really and truly did become human, that it wasn't just for show, it wasn't just for dress up, it's not just a cool trick that God is capable of doing. Cool trick, brah. You got feet. I suspect that Luke wants us to recognize, to realize, to have the revelation that in all the amazing and mundane parts of humanity, God is there. That an incarnate God is a God who knows every nook and cranny of the human experience. This story of Jesus' baptism tells us that Jesus was fully human. That this incarnate God is a God who feels the pull of John the Baptist preaching about repentance and forgiveness and transformation, just like you've felt a pull somewhere. That this incarnate God is a God who understands what it is to feel inadequate or guilty or ashamed or broken or less than. Think of all those people who heard John's message and thought, Yes, that's what I'm missing. That's what I need. Jesus knows what that feels like. This incarnate God is a God who has lived through the experience of waiting. Waiting in lines, waiting at the DMV, waiting for a turn, waiting for a resolution, waiting for an answer, waiting for redemption, waiting for love. This incarnate God is a God who has been dirty and dusty and weary. A God who has waded into rivers and felt the cool relief of cleansing waters on a hot, desert, dry kind of day. This incarnate God is a God who prays. Now that'll blow your mind a little bit. A God who senses the need to slow down and connect with the divine and the creator and the source of all being. I suspect that Luke is trying to help us experience this kind of epiphany, not just that Jesus is God's son, 
that phrase is so old that sometimes we forget its power, but also that Jesus is our brother. That Jesus, God incarnate, stood in line with us. That Jesus, God incarnate, stands in line with us today. And you know what happens after Jesus stood in line, right? With all those people longing for newness and resolution and assurance and transformation and healing, Jesus got in line with all of us. And after he was baptized, he knelt down to pray and the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended and a voice from heaven declared, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. I think Luke knew what he was doing when he wrote this story down. I think Luke wanted us to see Jesus get in line. I think Luke wanted us to see that we are part of the crowd, that Jesus didn't have his own baptism and his own revelation and his own conversation with God way over there on the side, that Jesus came into the middle of the mob, into the middle of humanity. Jesus got in line. And so when the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descends and God's voice booms across the river, those words are not just for Jesus. Those words are for us too, to all of those people in the crowd, to all of us who are here still standing in line, still waiting and hoping for the newness that John was promising. You are my beloved children. I am well pleased with you. In the message, Eugene Peterson renders God's words like this. You are my children, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. Man, I cannot hear those words too often. Can you? The words from God, the one who created us, telling us that we are loved. Humans need to hear their parents or adults or people. We just need to know that we're loved. Think about kids. Kids need to know that they're loved. It's an essential part of a healthy childhood. It's an essential part of a healthy humanhood. To have people assure you that you are beloved. Unfortunately, we don't always get that knowledge from the humans that surround us or the ones that raise us or the ones that form us in our neighborhood or our school or our church. And honestly, human love is not perfect. Human love has some limits. Even the most untainted kind of human love can't hold a candle to the love of God who created every one of us. We're just humans. We're not capable of that kind of love all the time. But God's love is even purer than the purest, most unconditional human attempt at love. This love from the one who formed each one of us in our mother's wombs. The love of the creator, God of the universe, alpha and omega, ground of our being. This love speaks to Jesus in the middle of the crowd of all of us and says, you are my child, my beloved child. I am proud. I am so proud of you. Listen again. Hear the you 
You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud. I am so proud of you. I suspect that for most of us humans, we really couldn't hear that often enough. And I don't know what voice God speaks into you. I don't know what human voices have disappointed you or let you down or just not been capable of the kind of love that you needed. And so here are a few of my friends from Peace Covenant Church of the Brethren offering their voices, their human bodies as vessels and instruments and messengers and witnesses of God's love. Close your eyes if you want. Listen really intently and let God's love fill you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are are my child, my my beloved beloved child. child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You You are are my child, my my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. You are my child, my beloved child. I am proud, so proud of you. To know that we are beloved, To know that the God of the universe loves us. To know that Jesus is God incarnate. A God who loves us so much that they would come to stand in line and wait with us just to show us how beloved we are. Now that's an epiphany.
the season of Christmas and Epiphany is a celebration of a cosmically important event, like Dana said. Jesus, God incarnate, who cares for us, is proud of us, came to earth to be with us. The story of the wise men, of Jesus being baptized, of his first miracle of turning water into wine, show the power and wonder of God's coming to earth. I'll be honest, I don't know why people think it's so abnormal to leave Christmas decorations up well into the new year. I still have my Christmas tree up, and I still have my lights on outside. I mean, in a lot of other countries, people celebrate Epiphany um, on Three Kings Day by going around to their neighbors' doors and giving people presents, just like the wise men did when they came to Bethlehem to see Jesus. This time of Epiphany too often gets overlooked in our culture. So what do you think we should do about that, Dr. Punks? Should we leave up our decorations a little longer, host epiphany parties, write some revelatory songs? Friends, in whatever way you decide to celebrate epiphany, just remember that that we are God's children, their beloved children, and they are so proud of us. podcast is produced by a team of individuals from across the country who've had an epiphany. Today's podcast was produced and preached by Dana Cassell, along with help from Peace Covenant Church. Our executive producer is Suzanne Lay. I'm your host, editor, and musician, Jacob Krause. If you'd like to continue in the conversation from today's podcast, look us up on social media at Dunkerpunks Pod. You can also email us with questions and comments, dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Until next time, peace be with you, my friends.